we're back. Hola. Como esta? Welcome. Welcome to What's the History. Uh, We've been gone. Um, What number episode is this? I think it's 49. Why do I never check before I start recording? Definitely 49. It doesn't really matter. Like, does anyone really? We're getting close to one year. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah, episode 49. You're absolutely right. So next week will be the big 5-0. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Imagine one day we'll be saying that about our birthdays. Stop. No offence to any listeners who are... No, no, we're just, you know, fearing. Just, yeah. Fearing the mortality. <laughs> <laughs> Doom. Um, John, I know something scarier. Yeah, go on. It's not even in 20 years, it's 15 oh, years. Oh, stop. <laughs> it's okay, though, it's fine. You know, it's grand. I'm just trying to not offend our, our older listeners. Oh, no, not at all. But there's actually saying. tears running down my face right now. <laughs> I'm like it's totally fine I don't care I saw you at your hair there you were like I'm fine yeah <laughs> so it's <clears> been <throat> two weeks since we've been uh, recording yeah it feels like forever mm, doesn't it like yeah. forever well we were both we were both very sick sickly poorly yes we were we were suffering from which a just adds to the whole thing that everybody thinks that we like live together and I was sick in Cork and <laughs> she was sick down here I was sick in my home yeah um, but we were in constant communication <laughs> yeah we were <laughs> <laughs> Every day it's a meme or a cat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I had a I have a stomach ulcer, which is no crack, I can tell you. Mind oh, your stomach's people. Wouldn't wish it on anyone. No, I it's don't not wish fun. bad things on people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm just, just putting that out there. Um no, it's it's awful actually. Mm. It's it's you know, I, I mean I knew a stomach ulcer wasn't gonna be nice, but I didn't know it was gonna be this bad. But it's okay. The only time it's I've fine. had an ulcer is like one of those mouth ulcers. Oh mouth ulcers are just nasty. the worst. Aren't they? Well, this is worse. Yeah, that's in <laughs> the your stomach. Yeah. Worse, worse. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but look, I'm on the mend and so are you and yeah. everything's great and we're back and we've got so much today to get yeah. through and I'm so excited. Have we any other news? Anything, I know that the listeners, this is their favourite part where we talk absolute rubbish for 20 minutes. Feel free to keep <laughs> skip, skipping skip, on. Skip, 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 skip. Or put us on like double speed. We're like, smell the well you're cute laughing my laugh. oh come here yeah. i got like one of those car engine laughs i do i i'm going to tell you all a story so lately i got the bus <clears throat> um <laughs> so yeah i i got on a bus and i i haven't been on a bus in years like it's been years you got but, it from town to the city yeah to the city and i was like um it was fine I don't really do well with other people in my general vicinity or yeah. personal space. Same. Um, but there was a girl on the bus. Now, she was a really nice girl and it, it took a lot to like, you know, for me to get like, because I try to be very tolerant of other people, mm-hmm. but um, her laugh. And I, I realized, I was like, this is probably what it's like when people are in my vicinity and hear my laugh. But it was like the strangest laugh I've ever heard. Can you it was like, impersonate <clears throat> for us on the spot? <clears throat> yeah, because I pra- I did practice it for somebody else when I got off the bus. Legend. So it was like, <clears throat> <laughs> no wait, it was like it was like something beginning. It was like something starting. So it was like a like an engine uh, turning on kind like, of laugh. <clears throat> <clears throat> and it was and she was laughing a lot. And every time she did it, I could just feel my face skin. twitching, just being <laughs> like, but at the same time, I'm like, look, someone can't help the way they laugh. She's having a fun day with her friend, That's she's it. enjoying herself. But at the same time, I was like, oh my God. Usually like, though, if it comes down to that, like in a, pub, a public space and you're with other people and that's happening, the chances of them being annoyed as well, like fellow bus sitters, like yeah, they're going to I be. I could tell other people were, I could see them kind of turning around <laughs> and looking at her. So I was like, okay, it's not just me. But then, so it was a really, really hot day as well to top 
it all off. Like really, not even hot, like muggy, like like close kind of weather, like stuffy. Yeah. And it was just before all the rain came. So it was like, oh, it's horrible. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't need to share all like, no, oh my share, God, the story. Share, but yeah, share. so I was just like really, really uncomfortable. And um, I went up and I had to go to Penny's. Mm. And like you ha- you know when you have to do a Penny's trip where you're like, I need socks, I need underwear, I need shoes, yep. I need... Um, Penny's do these amazing like slip-on kind of shoes that they're just really comfortable. They've yeah. got memory foam soles. They're oh, really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I need a new pair of shoes. I need blah, blah, blah. I need pyjamas. All the little bits and pieces that you can only really get in so I was outside Patrick Street just like psyching myself up just being like come on yeah. oh, sure, the last this. time I was there I was there with my, my girlfriend and I hi Annie hi Annie and uh, she's like okay <laughs> not to, to me like, not to you she's, she's like, like hi Claire. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever you um, but I was there and basically I think I actually had a proper breakdown inside yeah. Um, I had to leave and sit outside the front of Penny's on the curb because Ooh. I was so Penny's would do that to you. Yeah. I was overwhelmed with the crowds. It was yeah, the it was crowds. too much. And when I went in there, it was the exact same. It was very busy. Yeah. Like, it was like, you couldn't really get to anything. And, yeah. you know, then like, oh God, it was just, yeah, it was horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out to Penny's if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, like, Penny's. Still love but, you guys. Like, mother of God. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it's too, you know what it is? All their stuff, <clears> is they have too much merch in the shop to the point where you can't even go down in between, like... Certain there's no space aisles. exactly. No space. It's the, the you're right. It's the merchandising. There's yeah. way too much like stuff. I go, in, I go into Dunn stores or I go in anywhere else. Yeah, I know Dunn's yeah. is where I get all my clothes. But I'm saying that like shout out to Dunn. Hit too. up the gallery yeah. section. <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm I'm always able to freely you know <laughs> squeeze and move around and yeah you know go over to the lad section there. Well, this is riveting. Yes, it has been riveting <laughs> for all fault. our listeners <laughs> uh, in, in stateside or anywhere else outside of Ireland or even um, England. Um, Have we anything else? We've no other news really. Uh, Penny's have done some shopping centres. Oh yeah, they're, they're shops. Yeah. <laughs> Penny's is cut probably like, I don't even know. What Primark. It's Primark in the UK. It's probably yeah. like, maybe a bit like Walmart. I don't know. Target maybe. And then. What's the difference between Walmart and Target? I don't know. I think Target's is Target like cheap like Penny I don't know I could be totally wrong no, I actually don't know a, that's just, that's I don't know man American set us up tell us I don't know I hear these things yeah. you know when you're growing up and you hear things on American TV like oh, yeah. you hear about like you who are like um uh oh milk duds or like never heard of it Tootsie Pops yes. or um yeah soda. you hear like Target soda <laughs> I used to think soda or root beer root beer it's like what the hell like you know they'd all be drinking root beer like in the sandlot but I guess like root beer is just like but, but root beer, beer is disgusting no it's like uh, um, okay. oh, what do we call it we have an root beer is is it like ginger ale or something? yes yeah, thank you I couldn't okay, think of it okay. ginger ale exactly it's just I hate it fair enough fair enough <laughs> um, so we're, we're really look it's been a while you have to understand yeah it's just all of our weeks. crap chat just letting it all Had roll we, out I don't think we did any other news I think that was basically it we're we're, um, we're working at the moment we're as work, well. We are. We're on our summer yep. holidays technically, but we're working. Yep, I'm correcting um, all those junior cycle examinations. So fun, if any of my students. Uh, I am preparing webinars and <sighs> still working. It's, it's hard going. It's a tough, it's tough at the top, but. It's a hard knock life for, for us. It's a hard <laughs> life. Um, would you like me to throw out a misconception for Yes, you? I would, please. Okay. Okay. So our actually of the day. Um, I did it on a whim, by the way. Bulls are not enraged by the colour red. 
used uh, in capes by professional matadors. Now, I do not like matadors. I do not care. But cattle are dichromats. So red does not stand out as a bright colour. It is not the colour of the cape, but the perceived threat by the matador that incites it to charge. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, you know that whole thing, you know, oh, if you wear red, you remember yeah. we were going through the fields looking for a football there when we were like, oh my God, I'm wearing a red yeah. jumper. Yeah. yeah. We'd be skipping the all-electric fins to get the ball and a bunch of boots come running at us. <laughs> oh, it's because you're wearing red. <laughs> I think it's just because you're in a field yeah. with so, a bull. So red doesn't okay. enrage the bull. Aww. There you go. There you go today. Thank you. That was interesting. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm done. See you later. (laughs) That's it. And we're out. No, get nowhere else. So we both have topics for today. I'm very excited for yours. I'm very excited for Mm. mine. So I think think I'm going (laughs) to... And yours. No, I think I'm actually going to like really blister through mine because I I always find... You you know, yours have been beautiful. Yours are beautiful. Mine are crazy. Mine is a bit complicated. Um, So listeners will have to kind of keep their ears in tune and actually focus in a little bit um, <laughs> that, that's such our, a teacher I know, I'm like, listen hey. now listeners yeah. so stop whatever you're doing if you're driving the car pull in <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look like so many people right I've been watching Stranger Things and season four it's done no spoilers to be told here um, great show or whatever and basically if you watch Stranger Things you'll see its influences you'll see you know it's influenced by Stand By Me or the Gremlins or Ghostbusters or whatever E.T. but one of the, the most obvious influences for this show is the Goonies right and what a show right and I was Love kind of Goonies. feeling the old pirate vibes again you know the last time I was speaking about you a do pirate, love a good pirate I do I do who doesn't to be mm-hmm. fair well, the victims of piracy. <laughs> <laughs> and pirates are still out there today. <laughs> but I'm on about the old, typical, classical, historical... The golden age yeah, of piracy. Yeah, the golden age. The, yeah. Um, so <laughs> my topic today is about a pirate indeed. But it's about a badass lady pirate. <gasps> yes. And you might know, you might have heard of her name. So I'd be very interested to hear. Is it know. Anne Bonny? No. no, it's Jeanne de Clisson. Okay, no. Mm. <laughs> I have not heard of her, but I'm excited to learn. Mm. And once again, I'm diving into territory where I am terrible at pronouncing <clears throat> French language uh, and French words. <laughs> um, so I apologize to all the French. Excusez-moi, s'il vous plaît. They're just like, ugh. <laughs> They're like, no, très bien. But I came across this lady in a Reddit thread, okay? And her story is a very fascinating one indeed. So I'm just going to start off with her early life and get into it, Okay. So, Jeanne-Louise de Beville de Clisson, Dame de Montague, was born in the year of 1380. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she was born in the west of France in a place called Belleville-sur-Veille. And she was the daughter of a nobleman named as Maurice. Uh, IV is sixth, I think, is it? Or IV is fourth. Fourth. Ah, I need to get that right. Roman numerals. I'm apparently a history teacher. Uh, Maurice the fourth Montague of Beville. And uh, Pauloana. And her mother was named as Letiche de Parthenay. So Maurice the fourth Montague passed away when Jeanne was only four years old. And records show that Jeanne was a child born from her father's second marriage. You see, prior to marrying Letiche de Pertenay, Maurice had been married to a woman named Sébille of Chateaubriand. And they had a son together named Maurice the fifth Montague. Thank it's you. It's the accent. Oh, yeah. I'm just waiting I'm for you to do it. 
their other son, Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> oh, there's more names to come. However, in 1337, Jeanne's half-brother, Maurice V Montague, passed away. So Jeanne ended up inheriting the signory of Montague at that, at, and that of uh, Belleville. Go on, as, girl. You know, there were no heirs, okay? Yeah. So according to one of my finest sources, Wikipedia, thank you. As a signor family in the Basputa area, the de Montague family would have had direct or indirect business with winemaking salt farming and the merchant movements of these goods to and from markets as far as the Iberian Peninsula up towards England. This would have included contacts with merchant shipping. Hmm. Anyway, in this society of, you know, get rich or die trying, 50 cent, you know, <laughs> uh, folks often married one another to align financial powers and whatnot. And soon, Jeanne caught herself uh, into thinking about marriage. So okay. in 1312, so I think she's 12... <laughs> Mm. Uh, Jeanne married her first husband, a 19-year-old Breton noblefella by the name of Geoffrey de Chateaubriand VIII. Okay. They would go on to have two children, a son named Geoffrey the Eleventh, and a daughter, or sorry, the seven, Geoffrey IX. Ninth. Ninth, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and a daughter named Louise. Thank you for simplifying that for me, people. Louise. You must be just like looking at the Rocky movies. Just yeah, being like, I'm, I don't know which I'm one barked when he's trying to get yeah. out from the tiger cage. Rocky <laughs> one, Rocky two. Sadly, Geoffrey, Jeanne's husband, would pass away in the year 1326. So it was time for Jeanne to start thinking about marriage once again. So two years later, in 1328, she found herself a new slice of pie. Right? <laughs> and his name was Guy de Pendeville of the house of Pendeville. Widower of Jean of Avagor and son of the Duke of Brittany. Our girl Jeanne probably managed to do this in order to protect her underage children. And regardless, the marriage was short lived. Oh. Now, this is where things get a little bit sticky. Sweaty. Yeah, well, sweaty. <laughs> That's coming soon. <laughs> I'm saving that one <laughs> for when things get hot. <laughs> so Take a sip of my coffee. <laughs> Normal people would edit this out of the uh, show. Indeed, but... and I do not teach classes like this. <laughs> Imagine, <laughs> poor students. Okay, so relatives of so just this is kind of weird to to kind of um, elaborate on. Okay, okay. So relatives of a family called the Duchal family. Now I've no no idea who these guys were, but there's a part of this Duchal family known as the Blois faction. Well, this Blois faction, and it's spelled B-L-O-I-S, they complained about Guy's union with Jean. And the complaint went all the way to the Pope, uh, to Pope John the 22nd, I think. XXII. Yeah. Thank God. And he annulled the marriage. Okay. So Guy ended up marrying into the Blois faction of the Duchel family instead. Basically, Jeanne was forcibly divorced from Guy so that he could remarry into the Duchel family so that he could inherit his, or they could inherit his wealth. And he married a woman named Marie de Blois, who was a niece of Philip VI. Okay. VI, six, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, I haven't read this properly before I've done my research, as in Roman numerals, get it right. Okay, I'm going to learn them. I'm going to put it up on the Instagram. Right, I'm going to keep moving forward. So it was time for Jeanne to rethink her marriage choices again. And she found herself rolling with a man by the name of Olivier IV de Clisson. Olivier. 
I love it. Mm-hmm. It sounds no. cool. Yeah, he's cool. So this fella, he was a very wealthy Breton. He had himself a lovely castle at a place called Clisson. And he even had cribs in Nantes and the land of Blaine. And Olivier had previously been married to Blanche de Bougueil, but she <coughs> passed away in 1329. Now, remember, Jeanne was a recent widow herself, her first husband, you know. Yeah. And as she'd been married to the Lord of Chateaubrim. But she did have control over areas in a place called Putoy, which was south of the Breton borders. If Olivier and Jeanne were to get married. <laughs> just you, I don't know, I, just, I know some French swear words and you just came dangerously close to saying really? a French swear word there, yeah. <laughs> swearing by accident this time. <laughs> you must teach me. Um, if Olivier and Jeanne were to get married, they would be able to combine themselves and all of their assets, okay? And if they get married, they would become the signorial power, or to simplify it, the senior lord of the area in this border region of Brittany. And so they married, and they made lots of love and had themselves five children, and they had Isabelle, Maurice, Olivier V, Guillaumin, Guillaume is it is it William it's William (laughs) oh it's William (laughs) and another little Jean like Jean Junior Um, life was finally starting to settle down okay and get good so but things are only about to get sweaty Sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) see this war called the war of the Breton succession began around 1341 to simplify this war I shall once again quote our beloved Wikipedia the War of the Breton Succession was a conflict between the Counts of Blois, so I've already mentioned this Blois family, yeah. and the Montforts of Brittany for control of the sovereign Duchy of Brittany, and then a fief of the Kingdom of France. So it was fought between 1341 and April 1365. The war formed an integral part of the early Hundred Years' War due to the proxy involvement of the French and English governments in the conflict. The French supported the Blois, the female heir, whilst the English backed the Montforts. Male heir Montfort was ultimately successful following the Battle of Auray in 1364. Anyway, now, during the Breton War of Succession, the de Clissons, or Aurigien and Oliver, sided with the French. Okay, mm. choice for an empty Breton ducal crown, Charles de Bois, uh, against the English preference, Jean de Montfort. Now, everyone in the Clisson family was in full agreement in choosing of the Blois family for the crown. In fact, Olivier's own brother, okay, um, he wasn't, okay. So, Amari de Clisson, he embraced the Montfort party. So, you can tell how divided people were, okay, in regards to the English or the French and all this crack. In 1342, the French king's lieutenant, his name is Robert Bertrand, was beginning to send aid to Charles de Blois. Remember when I was telling you that Olivier had all these cribs here and there, you know, all yeah. over the place. And he had one in a place called Blaine. Well, Robert Bertrand had also chosen Olivier's castle at Blaine as a headquarters to help Charles de Blois, you know, out. Okay. Now, I'm not going into all the details regarding this war. But what I do know is that the English were trying to capture a city called Vannes, where Jeanne's husband, Olivier, who was a military commander during this war, that's where he was. And Olivier and other and another commander, they were in charge of defending this city against the English. But the English were successful in capturing the city after four attempts and Olivier and his commander, uh, fellow commander, were captured. Strangely enough, Olivier was released by the English after his capture. He was the only man released. Mm. And he was released in exchange for a man by the name of Ralph de Stafford, who is the first Earl of Stafford and a prisoner of the French. Olivier was additionally released for a low sum of money. And this 
was all too suspicious, right? So suspicious that Charles de Blois himself alleged that Olivia must have been a traitor. Yeah. Mm. And he was sus- he was suspected. Sus, yeah. as the kids say. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> We're still down in him with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say about 50. He's coming, out of, <laughs> coming out of it. He's like, don't be suspicious. <laughs> don't be suspicious. <laughs> well, he was suspected <clears throat> okay. of fully, uh, or not fully defending the city of Vance. Okay. So, something's going to happen. Because this is not all about Olivier. It's about Jeanne. But we have to understand what's going to happen to Olivier. In 1943, the English and the French attempted to make a truce and they signed the Truce of Melstrois. Under the safe conditions of the truce, Olivier received an invite to a tournament on French soil, along with 15 other Breton and Norman nobility fellows. But when he showed up in France, he was arrested Uh and whisked away to Paris, where he was tried by his peers. So poor Jeanne tried in vain to save her husband but on August 2nd 1343 Olivia was beheaded at a place named Le Halles so I'm going to quote this here okay this is a primary source people yes right in the year of our grace 1343 on Saturday the second day of August Olivia Lord of Clisson knight prisoner in the chalet of Paris for several treasons and other crimes perpetrated by him against the king and the crown of France and for alliances that he made with the king of England, enemy of the king and kingdom of France, as the said Olivier has confessed, was by judgment of the king given at Orleans, drawn from the chalet of Paris to Halles, and there on a scaffold had his head cut off. And then from there his corpse was drawn to the gibbet of Paris, and there hanged on the highest level, and his head was sent to Nantes in Brittany to be put on a lance over the Sauvetot gate as a warning to others. <coughs> so Olivier's execution shocked the Sorry, we're going to talk about the accent, so <laughs> we're just going to brush past it. <laughs> we're just, okay. <laughs> yeah. In fairness, it's not as vicious as uh, that time where I think I quoted some fellow, you know, back in the days of Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's still my fans. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> so funny. Okay. We're getting there, don't Strong worry. accent work there. Thank you. It was an accent. <laughs> it was like a hybrid of so many accents and insults. There's a, of there's a there. lot of countries insulted right now. There's a lot of people listening. They're like, what the hell was that? <laughs> Olivier's execution shocked the French nobility even. His evidence of guilt had not been publicly demonstrated. Desecrating and exposing his body around the place was an act that was usually kind of reserved or meant for lower class criminals. Yeah, yeah. So when Jeanne had made attempts to save Olivier, remember I said she tried to save him, yeah. she had actually attempted to bribe one of the king's guards, one of the French king's guards. And for zi- for this, Jeanne was charged with crime and she was sentenced to be banished and have all her properties confiscated oh, from her. no. But she was not arrested, and she managed to escape arrest. She was protected by Olivier's eldest son named Jean, and her own son, Willem, her squire <laughs> named Jeanne de Fay, and her valet, Willem Dennert. Okay? A lot of Williams. <laughs> uh, under disguise, Jeanne took her two sons, Olivier and Willem, from Clisson <laughs> all the way to Nantes. <laughs> So that she could show them the severed head of her their, oh. their father, which had been stuck on a pike and displayed at the Sauvetuk gate in the city. Beyond enraged, Jeanne swore retribution against the French king, Philip VI, and Charles <laughs> de Blois for the murder of her husband. And so Jeanne would change allegiance. She ended up selling off the de Clisson estates that she had owned with Olivier. 
And then following this, she ended up amassing a force of 400 men under her reign. And she ordered them to start attacking any French forces within Brittany. Interesting. Mm-hmm. One such destination was a castle at a location called Tofu. This castle was built on the edge of a beautiful forest with all the deers and rabbits. <laughs> and it was under the command of Galat de la Housse, one of Charles de Blois' officers. <laughs> he recognised... I didn't <laughs> pick up that name at all. Um, Galois, G-A-L-O-I-S, de la... Gal- Galois, I guess, would it be? Galois? De Bois? Galois, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gilles. <laughs> uh, de la... <laughs> Huse. Uh, H-E-U-S-E. Yeah. I actually don't. Use. They don't reprint their H's. Okay, go on. So this guy, this officer, he recognized Jeanne. And he let her into his castle thinking like, oh, it's some like lovely cordial visit. Oh, Jeanne de Clisson. Oh, what are you doing here? Your husband got executed kind of thing. Oh, let's come in for some tea. Um, Well, he did let her in. And then all her 400 men came in after her and absolutely massacred (laughs) everyone inside the castle except for one person. So Jeanne would also just, she'd leave this. She was known for this. She'd leave one person alive. Okay, so that they would be the one witness left to inform any enemy Ooh, of what happened. A bit bride and kill bill. Mm, yes, yes. Maybe they even got a bit of it. You never know. They could have been influenced by this. Um, anyway, after changing allegiances, the English king assisted Jeanne and helped her seal a deal for three warships. Uh, she had all her ships painted black. And they all had red flags on them. And her flagship was given the name My Revenge. <laughs> oh, I love her. <laughs> Come on, let's go sail in My Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so her fleet became known as the Black Fleet. So she's becoming a, a lady of the sea. She's becoming mm. a bad bee. Oh, yeah, she a badass. So the fleet uh, initially attacked shipping in the Bay of Biscay. And then the fleet began moving into the English Channel and began hunting down French commerce ships. Jeanne's forces would kill entire ship crews, leaving very few witnesses alive, of course, to inform French authorities of her rampage and rage. And she ended up becoming known as the Lioness of Brittany. Her attacking style on these ships was essentially guerrilla warfare, uh, but it is known as commerce raiding when it you know it takes place on the sea, or you know piracy, uh, <laughs> commerce <laughs> raiding. <laughs> but it's piracy uh, uh, she just had enough and was like well, that's she had it. very tough and yeah and the thing is she wasn't satisfied with just attacking ships um they were actually known like Jeanne and her force or the fleet were known to have attacked coastal villages in normandy and have put several to sword and fire and according to good old wiki uh, Jeanne is sometimes cited as a privateer of the English, which would mean she would operate under certain protections and obligations. Yeah. No letter patent or royal letter of protection is known to exist. In 1346, during the Crusade campaign in northern France, Jeanne used her ships to supply the English forces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the French eventually managed to engage her fleet and sink her flagship, My Revenge. Oh no. My <laughs> Revenge. Uh, Jeanne, with two of her sons, was actually adrift for five days in the water after the sinking of My Revenge and her son, uh, Guillem, dying of exposure during this time. Jeanne and Olivier were finally rescued and taken to Morlaix by Montfort supporters and Jeanne continued her piracy in the channel for another 13 years. Oh, legend. 
Soon, though, it was time to think about marriage again. <laughs> and by the time of the rockin' 1350s, she ended up <laughs> marrying a man by the name of Walter Bentley. Now, Walter was on, um, he's one of K- King Edward's, the third's military deputies. And uh, Walter had also been appointed as Edward's lieutenant in Brittany. So Walter won a lot of battles around the place and he ended up being rewarded with loads of lands and castles for his services. Meanwhile, one of Edward's other lieutenants, a man by the name of Raoul de Guars, had been a lieutenant in the neighbouring province of Brittany, a place named Puto or Poto. And you might remember that earlier. That's actually in her whole barrel name, uh, Puto. Okay, because one of her husbands was from there. Yes. And Raoul had managed to get control of Jeanne's properties back from the French control. Mm. But Edward ordered that the estates be returned to Bentley because that's Jeanne's husband. husband yeah. mm-hmm. But this all changed when Edward changed allegiances and began negotiating with the new Dutch of Brittany, Charles. So I'm jumping back into Wikipedia, as always. Um, as part of a treaty with the then Charles Duke of Brittany, Edward III ordered Bentley to surrender Jeanne's remaining castles in Brittany. Bentley refused and travelled to England to plead their case. He was imprisoned in the Tower of London while his case was heard. Eventually, he was released and allowed to return. At this point, the war had come to a halt as both nations were exhausted, one of the main factors being the spread of the the Black Plague, which had decimated at least 20% of the population. Anyway, so basically, by January 1357, Walter and Jeanne were granted the barony of La Roche-Merson as compensation for all of this. Uh, Jeanne finally settled at the castle of Hennepon, a port town on the Brittany coast, which had been in the territory of her de Montfort allies. Walter died in December 1359 and Jeanne a few weeks later. Aww. And that is the story of the Lioness of Brittany. I love her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's just a noble lady. Had all her husbands dying on her, being killed on her. Her property's been taken off her. And she said, She's a little bit this. like Grace O'Malley. There's like a lot of Grania, Grania Grania. There's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. there to bad bees uh-huh. listening to Lizzo yep. <laughs> on their yep. ships. Um... So that was really cool. I, I know it's a bit complicated. I know no, there's a lot I, of context. I loved that. I'd never heard of her before. Um, I, I had never heard of her. It was only by chance <clears throat> on Reddit I came across her. She's but I, I, I will say She's that cool. there's 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 so much I could have spoken about there. You know, why certain wars happened, how territories, lo- you know, what they France looked like. France was very complicated in yeah. terms of territories yeah. and things um, at the time. Yeah, and yeah. divided actually. And, and a lot of the people um, you mentioned, you know, like random people, like say even Charles at the time, you know, are... You know, they all have connections to, to other events, you know, in history. Yeah, exactly. Major and events. even the English crown and stuff as well. Because even I was thinking that one of the kings of England in the 1100s was mm. Stephen de Bois. So he's one of those, obviously. Yeah, yeah. There's a faction, um, yeah. And also, I Blois, think a lot of... Sorry, not Bois, Blois. Blois. Game of Thrones, I think there's a lot of... Uh, I know that's War of the Roses, but um, there's a lot of taken of inspiration, you know, for the storyline taken from... Uh, France during this period as well. Indeed. Indeed. It's crazy. I'm just going to make sure that Oscar is inside the house. Um, and check. then I'm going to begin my story. Yeah. We're back. We're back. Let's do it. My dog is fine. He's <laughs> Everything chilling. is okay. My um, topic is a little bit all over the shop, but it's actually, I think it's very interesting. Um, and at my interest in this group of people began in 2005 when I was 18 years of age and I was watching my film for my Leaving Search comparative study which is a film 
directed by Peter Weir, starring Harrison Ford, called Witness. Oh, called, and oh my God, Witness! Witness is about the Amish community. Mm. So I And I've just had a kind of abiding kind of interest yeah. and fascination with Amish culture, Amish society, their way of life. So I want to talk about Amish, the Amish community. It's, it's a fine barn, but she's no pool. <laughs> she's no pool English. Um, okay, wow. so... And I, yeah, I just wanted to clear up, I suppose, some misconceptions as well, because there are quite a few. Okay, so the Amish are also known in the US as Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, which is, they're not actually Dutch or of Dutch origin, they're of German origin. It's a mistranslation of the word Deutsch, which is wow. German. So, um, and indeed, they speak their own dialect of German, uh, which is called Pennsylvania Dutch. They can speak English as well, so if they need to communicate with outsiders for any reason, they will speak English and can, can and German they do learn it. Can people understand them? Um, yes. Well, it's a very like there's a lot. There are different. I know there's like High German and stuff. There's and there's Swiss German. There's different dialects of German. Okay, so I'm not cool. sure how mutually intel- like. But that's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's really really cool. Um, <clears throat> now. they immigrated to the U.S. in huge populations. Um. Well, actually, no, sorry, they weren't huge populations. When they immigrated to the US first, it was because of persecution in Germany, which I'll get to in a second. Today, though, there is large populations. There's um, estimated about 350,000 Amish in the US. Wow. Um, the largest population is in Ohio, the state of Ohio, Pennsylvania, obviously, and Indiana. In the last 40 years, the population has more than tripled. So it's like it. It's just exploding. It's because they believe that having a large family is what God ultimately mm. wants. Um, while they can use birth control, there's no rule saying they can't use it. Um, and they can be given access to it. A lot of them choose not to use it. So okay. their families are very, very large. They refer to all outsiders as English, regardless of their nationality. That one is going to hurt uh, Irish people. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Um, they are an Anabaptist protestant sect okay so what does that mean well anabaptists um believe in a believer's baptism that means adult baptism so that you if you get baptized as an adult you're really proving that you're submissive and obedient to god you're Mm. choosing it essentially so and you believe you're choosing you know i believe in this and i'm willing myself to god you're off capable exactly so yeah so that's what it and it's i suppose it's not even about your it's about showing that to God and and being, you know, even that bit more obedient. Um, The listeners may have heard of Mennonites, which are very, very similar, but the Amish are a branch off of Mennonites following a schism or split in the church. So the difference between Mennonites and Amish is it's negligible enough in the sense that their beliefs are very similar. It's in their practice of those beliefs that they differ which I'll get to as well, because the Amish would be far more conservative than the Mennonites. Mm. Um, the schism happened in 1693 when a guy called Jacob Ammon, um, kind of, he decided that their practice of shunning, which I'll get to as well, shun, remember Charlie the Unicorn? Shun! Shun! No, no, no. So funny. Um, he felt that they needed to be more like strict in their application of how they shun so like Mennonites would kind of say well maybe just don't allow that person to take have the Eucharist whereas he was like no they need to be like 
really shunned. So that led to people following him um, and becoming Amish. And a lot of those people are the ones that um, immigrated then to the US. Okay. Now, within the Amish community, it does get quite complex because there's so many different subgroups. Mm. There's Old Order Amish, New Order Amish, there's Amish Mennonites. Um, oh God, I was reading through about 10 different suborders. Mm. The I'm going to focus mostly on the Old Order Amish because they're the most conservative kind of and kind of the more interesting to me. The Old Order would be, yeah, like would be the ones that really shun modern technology. The New Order Amish, similar enough, they're quite conservative, but they might differ in, you know, certain beliefs and practices. The Amish Mennonites are, um, they use cars, so they don't shun a lot of some modern technology, but not all of it. Mm. So I'm going to talk about the old order Amish. Yes. <clears throat> now, the two, I suppose, of their key kind of concepts or key beliefs, if we want to understand them. The first of all is their rejection of what's called hawkmut, which is pride, arrogance or haughtiness. So this is a huge thing. This is why they dress so plainly because or like they don't take photographs for example or um they don't necessarily like anything that can be seen as pride in taking pride in your appearance is really frowned upon and they also have a high value placed on demut which is humility and a massive belief in this which is called galassenheit which is calmness composure and placidity um, which can be translated as submission or letting be. Now, and that leads me into my next point, that they are pacifists. Now, they prefer the term non-resistance for pa- instead of pacifism. Okay. So they won't, they never um, use any form of violence, um, any form of like, you couldn't even sue like your, you know, they don't use lawsuits. They certainly do not um, join the military so they are th- legally protected there in the US they are exempt from military service as well wow so they <clears throat> so they're like as in they actually wait when did they start like as in when did they actually originate come following the reformation in okay Europe. so it was yeah. after it's like 14 so Mennonites 1500s and then following there was a schism then again in 16 and, and all 1600s. that time they never participated no. in fighting or no. the military wow and they're so protected now um, to an extent there. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, how do you become Amish? So basically your church membership begins with an adult baptism, which usually happens between the ages of 16 and 23. OK, your district and we'll say you're living in the US, there might be between 20 and 40 families. Um, Worship services are held every other Sunday. So every second Sunday in a member's home or a barn. Okay, and we know like barren raising and all of this. We've heard of, of um, and I'll get to the importance of community mm. within the Amish because that's the issue of this, that if I need a barren built, the whole community are going to pitch in and help. Okay, and nice. that's the idea of shunning modern technology. That's, it's not that they view it as necessarily like evil. It's mm. that they think that like, well, it's it's going to get rid of the need for um community if we have a phone a telephone in the house i'm not going to call down to your house to to meet you face to face and that's so it eliminates the you know that that lovely kind of face-to-face contact Mm. it's why they don't necessarily they won't they won't use the internet of course they don't watch television Mm. um they don't listen to the radio um because they feel human connection is better face-to-face essentially i like that 
Okay, so um, <clears throat> the rules of the church. So I'm going to talk a lot about the Ordnung in a minute. They are their rules, but that they live by. They differ to some extent between different districts. So one Amish community might have slightly, because they, they um, decide them themselves, the rules. So it's reviewed twice a year by all members of the church. Um, and yeah, there, it might be as simple as our married women are going to wear white bonnets and then... 50 miles down the road the other Amish communities married women are going to wear grey bonnets like it's as simple as that uh, they view hard work as godly so anything that might expedite a task or make it easier such as modern technology is not used so they're not going to use anything mechanically propelled for example in the fields because it makes it too easy yeah. so they believe that the harder you work it's it's godly okay um because each Am- Amish district is a separate church, ordinary rules will differ from locale to locale. Okay, <clears throat> now, this is a general list, and I got this again from our favourite. Wicca, wicca, wicca. Wicca, wicca, Wikipedia. Um, and it is not exhaustive. Okay, so motorised vehicles are not to be owned or driven. Um, we know that we associate them very much with with buggies, so like with uh, horses and and um, mm. buggies. Okay, the Amish may request a neighbor to drive them, or they may hire a driver and rent a car. So it's not that they won't sit in a car; mm. they just cannot drive them themselves. Okay, uh, the Amish may not travel on an airplane. Oh. clothing clothes are to be followed strictly. Okay, males are to wear hats when outside. Black is for winter. Straw color is for the warmer months suspenders not belts keep up the trousers okay belts are seen as uh, vain they're seen as kind of too designer too pretty looking Um, once boys marry they're expected to grow a beard but shave their upper lip so you have (laughs) you have a beard but no moustache it's long it's 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 long unmarried boys must be clean shaven moustaches this is my favorite moustaches are frowned upon because in german culture they've historically been associated with military officers so and still today did they do not grow moustaches clothing must be home sewn so you don't buy clothing women are never to shave any part of their body nor to cut their hair now, I, I did a lot of reading on different... Yeah. I went to actually Amish websites or people who... Obviously, the Amish, some communities don't have websites because they completely shun yeah. modern technology. Some of the more less conservative communities of Mennonites have said that the women are allowed to shave. They have to keep their hair very, very long, okay. but they can shave if they choose their legs okay. or whatever. Females must keep their head covered. Okay. Usually with a prayer bonnet. So you see the bonnets that they wear. They're really pretty. Mm. The colour denotes marital status. Different colours may be used by different settlements. For example, a single woman might wear a black bonnet Mm -hmm. and a married woman will wear a white bonnet. Old order Amish, so the very conservative ones, cannot have buttons. Um, so they have to use things to they have to think of different ways to fasten their clothes. Buttons are seen as too ostentatious, too um pretty social security or other commercial insurance is forbidden so they actually and they don't have to pay um taxes toward it's the only they do pay taxes Mm. um but towards social security they don't okay children are to attend school through the eighth grade so up until the eighth grade that's about the age of 13 after that they are expected to work on the farm or in the home a parent may find them a job to bring an additional income for the family and a 1972 supreme court ruling allowed this so they are allowed to leave school in the eighth grade full-length mirrors are forbidden because they are taught to promote vanity and self-admiration 
Hey. <laughs> I know. I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> Jewelry is not to be worn, not even wedding rings. So if you are married, you have to think of other symbols. Beards for men, black bonnets uh, for mm. women are used in lieu of rings to represent marital status. An Amish person who has taken the church vow and who has been found guilty by the bishop of breaking one of the ordinary rules can be punished by what's called the Maidong or the Maidong, I don't know how to pronounce it, which is excommunication or shunning. So we know they shun. So they basically just, they do what everyone did to you in first class, you know, they just (laughs) don't talk to you. Talk about it? (laughs) I mean, I could. I mean, the hand up the toilet thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably deserve that. Um, The shunning aspect, yeah, is basically their punishment, which is like, it is quite sad. Um, now, but that's only if you have been and I'll, I'll get to that actually. Mm. Mobile vehicles such as buggies or farm implements must not have rubber tires. This seems too modern. Among the old order, church members must not be photographed. Among the old order, telephones are forbidden. The use of batteries is allowed for emergency flashlights and similar devices, but is discouraged in the home. Word processors powered by generator or DC are allowed for school and church administrative use. Only non-electric typewriters are used at home. Electricity is not allowed in the home. Electrical energy is allowed in community dairy barns, but only generator power, not grid power. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, it's so strange that they arrived at the... I can see why... Um, those who are able to work must do so from Monday through Saturday and Sunday. However, no laborious work is to be done. Nice. <laughs> nice. You're like, <clears throat> yeah, Amish young women and young men are expected to marry other Amish. Okay. So examples of the Ordnung deciding like what you can and can't do. The colour style of your clothing, hat styles for men. Order of worship service, kneeling for prayer and worship, marriage within the church, use of horses for fieldwork, use of Pennsylvania German, steel wheels on machinery. Okay, what is, um, so the, the all the things that you can basically do, mm. what is totally prohibited? <clears throat> Air transportation, central heating in houses, divorce, electricity from public power lines, entering military service, filing a lawsuit jewellery including wedding rings and wristwatches joining worldly or public organisations owning computers televisions radios owning and operating an automobile pipeline milking equipment using tractors for field work wall to wall carpeting that is really <laughs> random um, I feel like going outside and doing wall to wall carpeting but I just love them um, electricity from utility companies is considered worldly. When they say worldly, they mean of the outside yeah. non-Amish world. Mm. Bottled gas may be used to heat water, fuel ranges and run refrigerators. Gas pressured or kerosene lanterns provide lighting. Battery power the red lights. A battery, sorry, power the red lights on buggies. You do. I looked up lots of pictures. There's a place in Pennsylvania called Lancaster County, which is where they live. And there's a website and there's lots of pictures of the buggies going down the road and they do have red lights obviously wow, for visibility yeah. so batteries power the red lights on the buggies gasoline generators may provide energy for washing machines water pumps and agricultural equipment god it's a completely different world isn't it's it? so different telephones may be placed in booths or an unlocked barn or an amish school cellular phones and voicemail may only be used by a business to compete but this is permitted on a case-by-case basis wow 
The Amish travel in horse-drawn buggies and use horses to pull farm machinery. The horse allows them to take life at a slower pace and it puts limits on their lives, slowing their work and requiring additional labour. If business or personal needs necessitate a longer drive, the Amish may hire a taxi. The Amish complete their eighth grade education in a one-room private school taught by an Amish teacher who also attended school through the eighth grade. The skills of spelling, English, Pennsylvania, German, mathematics, geography and health are taught. Some basic science may be taught about animals, stars and planets. Religion is not taught as a subject, but it is an important part of the school programme, especially as it relates to behaviour. Okay, now this is an important point here. Amish practices evolve over time. As modernization takes place, the Amish negotiate to what degree they will accept and utilize technology and other practices to the outside world. This cultural compromise has allowed the Amish to remain a distinct group yet survive economically. Because yeah, they like they need to live. Yeah. Um but at the same time it's 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 not really considered godly. So it's basically what brings them closer together, what makes them, what allows them to continue to work really, really hard. Mm. Um, but, you know, like, and what allows them to be a community too. Like there must be, yeah, there has to be some kind of space for reason. I, I'm very ignorant of this now, but like, okay, terrible hypothetical situation. I don't know, there's about to be an explosion. An mm. Amish man is walking down the street. The only way he can get away in time is by sitting into a car and driving it away. And he can't do that. Mm. So I'm not <laughs> saying like it's going that's to happen. not exactly an everyday situation. Listen, someone in Hollywood is going to snatch this up. <laughs> Your dog is playing rugby. Okay. Outside with the rugby ball. <laughs> it's just Literally. another day in my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what about before baptism? Can they dance? All right. So, no. They're no. In, they cannot dance. Can they listen to music? No. They oh. can. They can sing. They can, and that's what I, I'll get to that in a second. Okay. 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 <clears throat> so adolescence in the um, uh, Amish community is known as Rumspringa. Now, some of you may have heard of this because this was popularized by a 2002 documentary called Devil's Playground. Um, there's kind of a popularized view of Rumspringa as being a time that all Amish teenagers go completely wild. <laughs> um, it's not entirely accurate. There's a little bit of truth to it. What does it mean? It means that in their adolescence, before they are baptised, they are not as tied to the ordnung, to the rules of the church, as people who have been baptised. So we'll say, for example, if you've chosen to be baptised and you've been baptised and you break a rule, mm. you're maybe you'll get shunned. And that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. But before you've been baptised, you're not held as accountable. So they do. Some of them might experiment a little because oh, they're allowed to. Yeah. They might rebel a little bit. They might do this, for example, by styling their hair. Hmm. They might dress differently. They might experiment with sex. They might take drugs. They might smoke cigarettes. Okay. If they were to do that after baptism, shun, shun, shun. the non-believer. Yes. Shun. shun. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a way to kind of test the outside or like practices of the outside world. Mm. Um, but there are still very high rates of baptism in the 90 kind of percents wow. of them choose to be wow. baptized. Their marriage and courtship to me is it's just freaking adorable. I'm just going to read it here. OK, so like you have to marry within the community mm -hmm. Um while there is a, a huge, I suppose, population of them, there's something called, oh God, it's in genetics. It's something called like founders something, which means that because there's such a small group of founders that originally came over, there are some illnesses that they might be more 
um, subject to than the outside population, but they're generally they're they're okay. Now, so how how do they how do they like court each other? And they have choice in this; they're not forced okay. to like you know. So singings are the usual mixed re- recreation and are the primary courtship activity. So these events are only open to young singles and are the equivalent of a teen dance. But the Amish do not dance or play musical instruments, but they share the Pennsylvania German love of singing. The songs are not all religious. Folk and country songs are also sung. Um, and I read in on another website that the songs are quite like, compared to the church songs, they're quite jaunty. They're quite mm. fun. Unmarried Amish choose their own husbands or wives and the woman is very much involved in the process. Courtship often begins with a young man transporting a young woman to and from one of the many singings or Sunday worship. The couple will be allowed to spend time together in private. But to spend this time alone behind closed doors would be scandalous. But as with courtship everywhere, couples like to be together out of sight and the earshot of others. And the Amish too will contrive ways (laughs) to lob the gob. (laughs) (laughs) They will contrive ways to accomplish this goal. Misha shut it down the alley. (laughs) Misha, my friend. Porches are appropriate and you will often see them travelling in open buggies. It is wise to have a chaperone. Um for appearances but a good chaperone does not spy or eavesdrop okay the step of marriage is a major one in amateur society so the preparation and the execution is quite involved a quick trip to the justice of the peace with a couple of witnesses will not suffice the sequence of events will be covered only briefly here okay this is from the stuff you should know website weddings take place after the fall harvest november is the favorite month because the winter weather has not yet begun 16 is the age when courtship begins but couples will likely be 20 or older when they marry both parties must be church members although it is obvious to all when a couple becomes serious the intent to wed is kept secret until july or august the man will give the woman a practical gift because jewelry is not allowed and the woman will inform her family a practical gift, i'm just like. trying to think yeah i'm like Rains for a horse, a sewing needle, maybe or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, um, uh, clogs, tape. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, <laughs> two weeks after fall communion, uh, those couples who have provided the paper credentials are published. That is, at the end of the Sunday service, the deacon reads the names of the women who intend to marry and the man to whom they will be married. The couples do not attend this service. They are at home, uh, at the home of the bride to be, having a private meal together. How cute is that? Aww. It is now the end of October. I'm just I'm just imagining though at the mass. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, Stephen is marrying Mary." <laughs> yeah, what is that about? Everyone's like gossiping about them. Okay. <laughs> The wedding and reception is an in inverted commas take place in the woman's house. She and her family are now working at a frantic pace to make preparations. Remember, on a farm, there is never a holiday from the chores. The man is out extending personal invitations to the guests. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he gets the he gets the really easy job there. The guest list extends into the hundreds. Blue is the favorite color for a wedding dress. The dress must be new, but it will be used on future formal occasions. The dress is without lace or a train. Bride and groom wear high top shoes, and the men may don bow ties. Oh, it's very ostentatious. I think it's a bit of vanity there. The wedding service lasts for many hours, at the end of which the minister questions the bride and groom and then extends his blessing. I the questions f- them. <sighs> I know, yeah. What were you doing in that, that carriage there? The, other what day? Day? <laughs> the feasting begins and continues well into darkness. The newlyweds spend the first night at the bride's parents' house. <laughs> 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 Ox. Okay. 
The, and again, inverted comma, honeymoon mm. consists of weekend overnight visits to various relatives. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Well, There's see, no they all quite get on, though. You know, they're close-knit mm. communities. Know, they're still, but they still are normal people, so they must have, like, oh, must be like, oh my God, will everyone to Auntie just Mary's so house now tonight. Oh, I just want to be in your arms. <laughs> Sleeping <laughs> soundly. <laughs> uh, okay, so they go to various rooms during which new acquaintances are made and wedding gifts are presented. The newlyweds live with the woman's parents until the spring when they will establish a place of their own. Now, in all of my reading about the courtship, I found this practice called, uh, is it called bun- bundling? Bundling, yeah. Sounds like this kidnapping. Is, this is like, I can't decide if this is really adorable or not. Okay, some Amish dating relationships start out with a different twist. In the Amish districts, that sanction, it's called bed courtship. Courtship. The boy asks the girl if he can take her home. Okay. If she consents, they drive to her home. They immediately go upstairs and get into her bed, fully clothed, where they are expected to talk all night without touching. Okay. Sometimes there's even things put between them so they can't touch. I like, okay, just hear me out, right? So they have to lie side by side in bed, fully clothed, but they have to talk all night. They have to stay up and talk all night to get to know what each other. I think that's really kind of nice though. Like, you'd really get to know. I always say this, this is my big thing. You get to know somebody when you stay up all night with them. True. Um, yeah, that's how yeah. I, I, anybody who's important to me in my life who I like really really feel I know well I've talked to them into yeah, the early hours of the morning yeah yeah with I them. get it yeah I think I don't know there's something very wholesome and sweet and about that they're going to get really in tired when they're in bed theory maybe not in practice I don't know how no, okay. um <laughs> bed courtship is practiced only by the ultra conservative churches the parents rely on the church teachings to prevent hanky panky it actually says that oh my goodness the custom is also known as bundling which the dictionary defines as sleeping in the same bed with somebody while both are fully dressed bundling has biblical roots it is not an Amish invention okay. the custom was practiced in Europe for centuries before immigrants introduced it to the American colonies in the past, the practical reason for bed courting was comfort. When homes were heated by fireplaces and had hard wooden furniture, the bed was the warmest, most comfortable place to socialise. As fireplaces and hard wooden chairs were replaced by central heating and comfortable sitting rooms, bundling mm. faded almost entirely from the scene. Okay. okay. And then everybody just There's just something. The I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. So... And it leads me to my last point, which I had said to you the other day, and I did ask a few people, and some people came back to me about this on okay. Instagram. There is an Amish Mennonite community here in Ireland. Isn't that just amazing? Yes. Now, when I say an Amish Mennonite, it's because they're not old order Amish. They're a little bit different. Okay. So I'll talk to you about the difference between them. They have a website, which I'm going to read from as well. It's yes. amazing. Um, so they're based here in Ireland in a place called Dunmore East, which is in County Waterford on the east coast of it's our country, the southeast. Yeah. It's really, really pretty. They have come over from the United States about 25 years ago. They were invited over. They've settled here and there's quite a, I don't know exactly the numbers of their community, but it's large enough. Mm. Now, they are not, even though they're called Amish Mennonite, that's a subgroup of Amish um, they're more Mennonites than, than Amish because they're far less conservative. They're still conservative, mm-hmm. but um, like they drive, for example, these yeah. Mennonites. They but they don't use TVs or radios in their homes, but they have a website, and they do use the internet. 
Um, they do live in their own community, but they mix with the local community mm-hmm. um, because they believe very much in missionary work and spreading um, the word of God. They have their own shop in Dunmore East. Their food is meant to be absolutely amazing. How do they cook? Um, they bake like um, apparently like apple tarts, cakes. Um, oh, it's meant to be their ice cream cones are meant to be like out of this world as well. We should go. We should really we take should a trip down there. Yeah, down sometime. Um. They do dress plainly. Uh, not as they're not as strict as the. Um, they still the women have to wear skirts. Would they make their own clothes? They wouldn't go to pennies. They make their own clothes. Yeah. Good so, um, they don't like they. They would have buttons and stuff like that, but yeah. they still dress very conservatively. Long skirts, long hair for the women, bonnets, um, and so on and so forth. I'm going to just go to the website because it's really interesting, and mm. they'll let I'll let them do the talking here so here are their fundamental beliefs i'll just read those out um i'll go down here to their two distinctive beliefs so the first they've written here is non-resistance so one distinctive belief has placed the mennonites and amish in the historic uh in the historic peace church category is the doctrine of non-resistance According to the teaching and example of Christ, love is to be the guiding principle in all relationships. Therefore, we refrain from lawsuits, military service and racial discrimination. The second here is plain dress. The Bible teaches modesty and simplicity in dress. Our communities have been practicing this for centuries with great blessing. We experience some of the same benefits that schools experience when they maintain the practice of students wearing uniforms. It is one way of maintaining modesty and respect and helps to avoid the negative effects of peer pressure. The New Testament also teaches the wearing of the veiling for women and that we should not wear jewellery. In today's world, these teaching and practices are often challenged and sometimes ridiculed. However, those who accept them testify of the peace and security of living within the protection and blessing of God's order and plan. We find it liberating to be free from the tyranny of fashion and television dictating what we should wear. These are only two of the beliefs we live by. There are more. So I'm going to go into their about us as well section. That's their um what we believe section. Mm. So, um... Why in Ireland is their first um, about us? So it says in the Bible, Jesus Christ calls his followers to go into the entire world. So, yeah, they kind of believe in um, uh, missionary work. Yeah. It is our desire to be good neighbours and to be of service to the people in our community. In addition, we want to maintain a fellowship of believers where anyone can feel welcome to worship the Lord with us. Okay. Now, is everyone welcome? Everyone is indeed welcome, regardless of their nationality, social status or religious background. Visitors are always welcome at our worship services, which are held every Sunday morning at 10.30. While our dress and practice may be different from what you are accustomed to, please do not hesitate to come and visit. We often have visitors and we do not expect visitors to dress as we do. You are welcome to come as you are and to come as often as you like. Members of our church in Ireland include local Irish people as well as resident immigrants from a variety of countries. Our meeting place is not fancy, but the fellowship is warm and inviting. The mark of Christ's church, we think, are not soaring spires and gothic windows, even less are they richness and hugeness. To mark, uh, the mark of the church is life, the living body of believers carrying out the will of Christ, who is the head of the church. Uh, we hope that this brief message gives you a better understanding of the Amish Mennonites, who we are and what we believe. More importantly, we would earnestly encourage you to find true meaning in life and make preparation for eternity through believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Okay. Um, If you want more information or would like to order any of the above, I don't know what 
any of mm, the above is, please contact us. Dunmore East Christian Fellowship uh, Pastor Daniel Yoder, Dunmore East, County Waterford, Republic of Ireland. And then they have directions to the meeting house as well. That's you are good. always welcome. Sunday morning services starts at 10.30. Now, okay. So I told you all about the Amish. It's worth pointing out, I did a lot of reading research. There's a, there was an article in the journal.ie, for example, um, that I was reading as well about them in Ireland. <clears throat> and it's a beautiful article all about, you know, their day-to-day life. Um, you know, the article starts here with, um, at a small petrol station outside Dunmore East on a beautiful April morning, there are two men outside the shop. One of them is carrying planks of wood from a van. We are working on the ceiling, says Pastor Wendell Hochstetler, I suppose it is. Um, and he's one of the one of them. Now, <clears throat> as I was kind of reading, mm-hmm. um, I went down into the comments and there was a comment from, I won't say the person's name, yeah. but there was a comment here um, who said, somebody said, um, you know, that it's, it's lovely the way they live. And someone said... Uh, this person kind of responded to a couple of comments, but said down kind of towards the bottom. Let me just go down. Have known the church since 2006, was offered membership in 2012, but then denied it and shunned for raising child protection concerns. Um, And that was something I kind of came across online. Some people, um, some kind of comments passed by people saying that, you know, I suppose they don't apply what our laws would be on. And I don't, I won't go into it because I don't know the ins and outs of it. It's also worth pointing out that in the US, they've come under fire for puppy farms because one way that they try to make money Mm -hmm. um, here, according to the USDA list of licensees, over 98% of Ohio's puppy mills are run by the Amish, as are 97% of Indiana's and 63% of Pennsylvania's. So Mm. I didn't want to give this to like, yeah, their lifestyle sounds beautiful. They, They sound like and Everybody says that the Amish Mennonites in Waterford are just insanely nice people, you know, but I didn't want to give this completely like, you know, perfect kind of um, utopian view of them either. They have come under fire for kind of different things. But at the same time, I think generally they're, um, you know, a lot of it does sound ideal. It's kind of it's it's Luddite kind of existence, I think, Mm -hmm. in our very fast paced, very social media driven, technology driven society. We're in a different bubble. We yeah. are in a completely different bubble out here. I think I'd like it for like a couple of weeks and then... It'd be great, yeah. Just, <laughs> and then I'd be like... It's almost like a detox. Yeah, You know, exactly. that kind of living is like a detox away from this world. I mean, there are always going to be, I think, issues, no matter how perfect something can be at the beginning, issues always arise. People always disagree. People yeah. have different ideologies. Exactly, because people have personalities. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah. the... I think when you try to make everybody live by exactly the same standards and that's when trouble kind of starts but um i think the fact that we have a a community of them here in ireland is really fascinating um i'm going to go in there's we have another kind of sect protestant sect here in ireland called the cooneyites or the two by twos they're called or there's another in dippers um (laughs) i do love her um and i was going to go into them what Quakers? They're not Quakers. Okay. They're similar, but they're not. Okay. Because I had a student years ago in a class who was a Cooneyite. Cool. And they're similar in some ways because mm. she had to wear a long skirt 
okay. she couldn't wear the school uniform and they have to keep their hair long as well. Okay. Um, and I was always really fascinated by mm. it. So I'll go into that in a different episode because that's For a whole sure. other, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, there's the Amish. That was fascinating. I they've like I've always known they exist, but I've never thought about them. Do you yeah. know, like I've never like I've seen references to them maybe, yeah, witness or that the episode Simpsons. of the Simpsons and that's it. I'm like, I know that like I might have seen a voice documentary years back, but I actually had What's no the real Homer sticks his ice cream cone and where he's like, because your man can't fight back. And then he gets kicked by a donkey. Ah. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, when um they're going to Itchy and Scratchy Land and Marge is like, oh, even worse was our trip to the Amish. Oh, it's yeah, the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So funny. Um, oh, that's, that's no, I've always found them really interesting. And I think that that's exactly it. That like, you know, they come across as very inoffensive, very just want to kind of live their life yeah you just wonder like about sh- I, I don't mean to sound so morbid here but like the lifespan of the Amish community or I think they're pretty healthy food they uh, actually I read today the uh, their health in, in lots of ways they're healthier far less cancer rates apparently mm. um, far less sun even though they're outside more mm. than we are because they cover the themselves yeah. um, far less kind of sun damage. So they, they actually are quite healthy, quite mm. sturdy, healthy people. And can people. they accept like, you know, say there's a medical issue, can they be brought to hospitals? Can they like, do they allow that? Do they um, so it? yeah, there was different, it depends on the community. Okay. So what some hospitals have done is they've done outreach programs. Now they mm. are kind of, and I was even reading on that, but they are um, anti- vaccine okay, obviously okay. so they like there's lots of um things that i was that i was reading today that were kind of conflicting some of them have sought medical advice or yeah, medical um some things haven't. some of them haven't so yeah, again it, it's 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 very much community to community kind of based but um very definitely want to hit up Dunmore east for some yeah. of that apple pie and ice cream that's mm. what i want to get oh my god oh absolutely. my gosh let's go let's do it let's do let's it let's just go now let's go let's right now down the pan well the see they the can because today's sunday so they definitely wouldn't be doing <gasps> oh, it oh they'd be chilling be chilling a little yeah, bit chilling of just watching the wall if anybody listening knows any more about them um amish mennonites whoever or ideally anybody who knows anything about the cooneyites in ireland or the two by twos i am really stuck for um proper information i'm just not finding it i know that there might be a community in mallow county cork hmm. so if anybody is um anybody knows anything please hit me up because i am fascinated by them like really interested. Is there any people out there that speak French and would like to <laughs> give me some up? lessons? <laughs> I know that it's some a few people I work with definitely listen to this. And, Bonjour. Um, Bonjour. Como esta? That's in Spanish. Spanish. That much. Okay. All right. Well, I just shot myself in the foot. <laughs> 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 Said Don't leave fruit. Okay. We going? thank you so much for listening to us. We really do. We thank do. you thank very, you very much. Thank you so much for your support. Um, yeah. You know, it's been really a journey. We're nearly it. at a one year anniversary. We We're going to have to celebrate. For a year. So, well, you next, we'll do something fun next week because it's a 50th episode. It's a big one. We have to like. The big five oh. The big five oh. Yeah, we have to. We, we should. Have to find a really, really interesting topic for all of you. Imagine mine's like 
And then this is the story of how the Hoover was invented. <laughs> I was going to be like, stamps. <laughs> History. Some, there's probably some stamp collectors listening being like, hey. hey. I don't know, Dyson. The guy that created the Dyson could be listening like, hey. He, I always, that, I, I always say like that. Brian Dyson um, or something, isn't it? Or? James. It's James Dyson, Dyson isn't it? Yeah. I'm Brian Dyson. Brian I always Dawson. say, you know, when he's on his ads and he's just, the way he talks so lovingly about Hoover technology, I'm like, I want someone to love me the way he loves Hoover. It's very passionate, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. He's very well. Furry. Sorry, he wouldn't because Hoover is a name as vacuums. Vacuum. Vacuum. I say Hoover. Yeah, that's a that was a brand name like a Hoover. We do that a lot in Ireland. We do. We yeah. brand name things like we, we say. Um, potatoes for yeah. crisps. True that right yeah. there. Do you know that when I was little, my family had this uh, Hoover, but like it was a shtick. With a little square in the end and you just roll it back. Oh, a uh, carpet sweeper. Car- is that what it's called? That's what we, yeah, they were so in in They're the handy. 80s. Are they even 90s. around anymore? No, they were sugar. I was going to say it. It was so close to saying. <laughs> oh, what was the word in French, by the way, that I said? That oh, I can't say okay. it. It's, it's a bad one. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, it's okay, really okay. bad. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to look up carpet sweepers. It's a, well, it's a name for a, it's a derogatory name for a female sex worker. That's just, Oh. oh okay now I got it <laughs> I said oh at first and I was like oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> carpet sweepers we had one I remember because mom used to be bad into using it yeah <laughs> and, like, and I, <laughs> they're, they're yeah, real <laughs> they're, oh, they were terrible the, all they were was they just, just brushes yeah, that went and they just picked and up the yeah but they just deposited it I'm back I'm telling you they're here and I bet you like 35 euros that they were grand if you have a carpet yeah they're grand like 42 euros for that bad boy <laughs> are you going to buy a carpet sweeper I'm thinking about it no I don't have carpets in my house <laughs> You definitely don't need a car. Do they work as well on the obviously on because I have like tiles and wood as well. Um, It'd be a bad form if I bought a carpet sweeper and it just, and it didn't, just work didn't work in the house. Like, just do for your house. <laughs> I just have to use it oh on the cats God. or something, or I don't know. I don't know. Anybody know anything about carpet sweepers? Does anyone out there have carpet touch? sweepers? We shall. We shall ask. We'll be like, what happened to the carpet sweeper, man? I, I'm just yeah. Well, I'm gonna ask that on the Instagram. Does anybody use a carpet sweeper? <laughs> And I hope people know what we're talking about. They're I think once they're should, non-electrical, like, basically. I, yeah, like, I was putting carpet sweeper from the eighties, and I mean, I remember this, what my one I like. our one looked like as well. Yeah, mine was our when well, my mom's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, used to enjoy damn. actually. The, you know, there was like certain jobs when the carpet sweeper you were a kid, yeah, ones. that you wanted to that get because they were so easy. Yeah, that was the one that I'd be like, oh, I'll sweep the carpet. Yeah. Always, yeah. Oh my god, look at this. That's a huge one. That's mega. That's like industrial like yeah, level. It, it was just, you know what? They were metal. The one we had was metal. I remember that was kind of, there was a metal covering over it. It was something like that. I'm just showing Claire a picture online. Um, but, oh, they call it Zoom Broom. A Zoom Broom? Yeah, Zoom oh, that's Broom. That's better than Carpet Sweeper. Yeah. Okay, we're, this is content that people just, I don't know. I think it's. I think it's. Fun. I think you know what when when we put this up, you're going to have shower thoughts. You're These are like, like hey. the weird like things from the eighties and nineties that just don't exist anymore. That well, they do exist, but people just don't use them. There's like certain, that. Yeah, ours didn't. Ours was. Ours I'll, I'll find eventually. Ours was. I think it was either green or red. I can't remember. It was a combination of both. I think. Well, that was worth <sighs> just getting off our chests. <laughs> it was necessary. I forgot about the carpet sweeper. I just feel like I'm just going to go have shower thoughts later and just be like, what else was there in the 80s? 
I'll tell you what was common. Um, you know, irons, you know, irons, like you iron your clothes. Yeah. Um, or is that, yeah, we call it an iron. Yeah. yeah. Is it iron or iron? It's iron, not iron. <laughs> My brother kept mocking me over this. That's why I get paranoid. It's iron. Iron. Yeah. Okay. So do you ever notice if you go into houses back home um, that there's that triangular shape of the iron on the carpets? No, it's just me. I basically, I think when I was a kid, I sat on the iron and I left it on the carpet. (laughs) So there's just a big uh, triangle. Carpets were huge. Like, and we had the ugliest carpets. Oh my God, they were horrific. Like we changed them, but in my like childhood photos, they were these brown, like they were brown carpets. We had the ones where it looked like lava or something. It was like lava. It was like Like orange, yellow, brown. And they're so bad for you, like carpets. Like they're dust mites and oh Oh, my God, they're horrible. Imagine getting a microscope onto those. Oh, just like little oh, creatures Freemasons from the country <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> yeah carpets were another big thing and mm-hmm. oh, God. Nesh sh- curtains oh god damn I forgot about they those. were huge as well yeah. they were disgusting as well spider plants like yeah I quite like a nice spider plant though I do I used to be traumatised by them I'd see them and i just assume there were spiders in them yeah true oh, those, the name mos- doesn't those help. fly catchers you know those oh, yeah, yellow sticky things disgusting or the radios you know we yeah. had a sharp radio you know a brand sharp and it was red and it was long it had like two cassettes you could play Julie <laughs> in and it was so cool was two cassettes man yeah, yeah I remember like <laughs> this bad boy comes you're recording I remember recording recording oh. songs off the radio and then the DJ would waiting. talk over the yeah end. and I used to listen to you at la- long wave radio Atlantic, Atlantic yeah, 252 yeah, 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 I remember and it was, that it was from London Sash Sash would be on I remember no, I had uh, I, I was obsessed know. with um, Gina G's Eurovision entry ooh Ah, just a little bit. Ooh, ah, a little bit more. Ooh. And um, I recorded it off the radio, so it's just. My issue was when the radio DJ would turn the song down, and when the and song hadn't yeah, finished, yeah. and then they start talking over yeah. it, and you'd be like, "Really?" I actually have tape cassettes at home somewhere. Uh, they're in with a bunch of uh call cards for the phone boxes. Oh my god, call cards! Yeah, I used they were to collect so cool. Those. I collected them as well. Oh my god, they were so. They were class. You had to put in a call. You had to buy a call card. To put into the thing, the it makes box. no sense. <laughs> so that obviously money wasn't being stored in them, so they couldn't be robbed. Exactly. But like, fair enough. But I have a tape cassette at home, and it's myself and my brother Tom. Like Tom, when he's about ten or eleven, <laughs> and he's pretending to interview me on the radio. But oh, like, I keep, that's really I cute. keep kind of not being able to play along because I don't. You know, he's so good at role playing, and then there's me kind of like. I, I but my name to, is Fenula. Yeah, and, he, and then he's giving out to me on. He's like, "No, you don't do it like that, you stupid!" Like, and then I start crying. Or you know, our band. But we could go into that. But, we uh, won't. <coughs> yeah, I'll we say should... the worst. Actually, I recorded uh, a couple. God, I can't find it. It's obviously gone. But it was um, the song "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. Watch you. And the, you know, at the end of the song, it the end. It doesn't. The, the "Don't Stop Believing" actually yeah, doesn't happen until out. the end. Yeah. So there's no like, don't stop it. But like, just it got to that point. That's when the DJ came in and was like, and that was Journey with Blah. It's like, (laughs) it's the best part of the song. Like, what (laughs) what are you doing, man? (laughs) Me just waiting like, oh man. Don't stop. I remember I recorded, um, what was it? S Club 7, Don't Stop to the Funky Beat or whatever. Don't stop moving to the funky, funky beat. Don't stop moving to the ass. But they should really quit off by now. People are still An hour and 20 minutes. We need to stop. I forgot this was recording. We thank you all so much. And we shall see you next week, shall we?
And people are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. Okay, thanks, guys. Listen Have to a the lovely mess clubs ever. Bye. <laughs> oh my God, it's still recording. Stop. <laughs>